Good evening, everybody. So I just want you to know that those of you who are here tonight, mm, you'll be able to tell the ones that aren't, I should have been here. Just going to say that right now. There's, and it's not anything in me, definitely not. <laughs> but because of Jesus and the word that he gave me for tonight is awesome. And uh, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, um, there's, I'm not going to tell you my whole life story because most of you know my whole life story because most of you I've been in church with forever. But <laughs> um, so for me, um, I've been in church and I have, um, I got saved at four years old and I'm not four now. So. <laughs> Um, I've been born again for a really long time, um, and throughout my whole life, no matter where I'd been or what I've done or things I'm proud of, things I'm not proud of, um, I have always loved church, like always. Um, I always ask God why he put that in me, because I literally love church. I love to come to church. I have since I was little. I don't know if it was partly my mom, because my mom, bless her heart, drugged me and my two brothers to church, and uh, we went to church. We, um, as long as I can remember, I've gone to church. Um, and even in the time period that I walked away from God, <laughs> the strangest dynamic was no matter what I did Friday and Saturday, I always went to church on Sunday. <laughs> I do not know why, to be honest with you, I don't even know why I thought that was okay, but I did it. <laughs> Apparently, you know, and I look back because as God told me what he wanted me to speak on tonight, I asked him, I said, why in the world did I feel that? I mean, because I had some heathen years in there. And I said, God, why in the world did I think it was okay <laughs> that I came to church? And... Uh, and he very quickly reminded me as he says, you always knew that I was there. And I said, well, yeah, but that should have been the reason I didn't come. <laughs> but he, um, he's, he's always, I always know that God's here. God is in the house. God is in church. Um, so as he started to unfold this message, the biggest thing he wanted, he kept putting in my heart is he said, I, God loves church. I know that sounds strange. You're like, well, no, God loves church. He loves church. Um, God created church. God wants us at church. Um, even from the very beginning, you know, Adam and Eve, he made the Garden of Eden where he could meet with them. And before Adam sinned, his plan was it would get bigger, right? There would be more people. It wasn't just going to be him and Adam and Eve, but it was going to be more. And, and it would have been the best kind of church. And we're going to get to experience that again. Um, but he, he initially, he started church from that moment because Church for God is the place where we all come together and we fellowship with him. We all come together and we connect with God in a corporate setting, okay? So 
then he just started leading me through the word. And, you know, church, of course, you know, my, my lean was to start with the Church of Acts because everybody said, well, that's where church started. But he began to show me that he's always wanted church from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then the next thing, if you remember Moses, it was the tent of meeting. And you remember how he would go in there. But it was, you know what? He was not, other people could have gone. But they chose not to. So Moses would go into the tent of meetings. And uh, you're going to have to forgive me just a little bit because my notes are a little scattered. Um, there was so much. I told my husband I've got so many notes and so many ideas because to me, um, we, we, our heart desire should be to be in church. And it's not because it's a rule but it's because it's the heart of God. Um, and the heart of God is that we come together. And I'm going to elaborate on that. But for right now, I'm just going to take you through a little history in the word. It's not going to take very long, but I want to establish that church has been coming since the beginning. So Moses is in the tent of meetings. And I'm going to have to tiptoe down here and get my glasses because that was the one thing I forgot. One moment, and you guys don't want to see me squint as bad as it's going to get. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Exodus. We're going to go to Exodus um, 33. And, and Ben, I don't know if I gave that to you. This is my first time using the overhead scripture, so <laughs> that'll be an adventure. But So Exodus 33. And we're going to just do a, just a little excerpt in here. And we're going to start at verse 7. And it says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So do you hear that? Everyone. It wasn't just Moses. It was whoever wanted to. And it said, so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at the tent door, and his own tent door, <laughs> and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And then it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. <laughs> that always made me kind of giggle. <laughs> I'm like, they were kind of chicken is the only thing I can figure out. Because, you know, they didn't go to, but they could have. They could have. Because that's where church was. Okay? And it says in the last, in verse 11, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So right there is where there's church. There. See, there was always an opportunity for church. And so um, Moses made sure that there was a place that we could come together for the presence of God. Because are you, do you think that God would have filtered who came? No, he would have welcomed whoever came. But the only one who did was Moses and Joshua, right? And Joshua went on to do some pretty amazing things. So then we go, and one of my favorites that I often love to read is David's heart. 
for God, but especially for, you know, David, it was the temple that would house the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, right? And David loved the presence of God, but David loved the idea of being, housing the presence of God. But as we know, I'm going to give you a quick little fast forward. David, well, the word says he killed too many people in war. <laughs> and God, you know, and God said, I can't let you build the temple. But you're going to have a son, and I'm going to bring peace. And during the time of peace, your son will build the temple that will house the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. And because David was so cool, he, I think he was just as thrilled as if he was building it himself. So in that, I want us to go to 1 Chronicles 22. And I'm taking us through this little, because I just want to build here for a minute of God's always wanted church. And then we're going to get to find out why we go to church. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to love me. Okay. So, 1 Chronicles 22, and we're going to go to, to um, verse 5. And I love this verse. So now David said, so what David did is he knew that he couldn't build the temple, but because he wanted to be a part of it, and his son, at this time Solomon was young, okay? And so he begins to collect all the things you would need to build the temple. He starts, um, it says in there, um, I'll just read you a little bit of it. It says that he, he got, um, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord. This is verse 14. 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stonecutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work. Of gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. Arise and begin working and the Lord be with you. So because he couldn't build it, but he was like, but I'm going to be a part of this. I don't know how, and this is how I'm going to, is I'm going to collect everything it would take to build the house. And then in verse 5, he says, now he summons his son. And he says, now David said to Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David I think it was just so, he, it says it should be exceedingly magnificent and famous and glorious. Like, like there wasn't anything too good for the presence of God. And that it was going to be for the whole, all to be glorious throughout all the countries. So you can only imagine that people would come from all over the place to come to that temple and to worship God. And, it, and so, again, you see where God is, he wants people to come together. He didn't say, we're going to go build each and every one of you a temple by yourself. <laughs> no, he said, one temple where the presence of God is, and I want you to come together. 
come together. That was God's heart and still is. He wants us to come together. Now, I have to stay in pace with myself because I could jump way ahead of why that is. So we're going to stay. I'm going to stay on course in Jesus' name. <laughs> so it shows that, that David's heart to house the, the, the presence of God was huge because he loved him. See, one of the reasons we come to church is because we love God. Like, I come to church because I love God and God's here. I love God. And I know that sounds weird, but I guess the best way I can explain it is that I adore being where he is. And when you come here, and did you know that God is in Word of Victory? Like, God's here. God's here right now. Like, I think we need to remember and be and keep ourselves aware of his actual presence. It's not a God's up there. No, God's right here. And so that's always been God's heart is to draw us together and that we come in one accord and we worship him. Okay. So then we go. So we've gone with David. And one of the other two scriptures that I thought so is Psalms 122. And did you know that God's in the word? So I love to read the word because he just shows himself and shows himself. So verse, so Psalms 122, verse 1, and he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. See, he loved to be in the house of God. David loved it. He, like, adored to be in the house of God. In fact, if we go to chapter 27 in Psalms to verse 4, Psalms 27, 4, it, it also says, um, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. So David showed the heart of a churchgoer. <laughs> David showed the heart of one who loved being in the house of God. He says, all the days of my life, not just Sunday and Wednesday. He wanted to, all the days of, the, of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Um, you know, I'm going to challenge some things in us, so... At the end of this, you may call Pastor Jerry and said, please don't ever have Amy come again. But until then, <laughs> I'm going to just hang it right out there, okay? All right. So now, um, we've shown that, so throughout the Old Testament, you know, it was always the, the, the presence of, the God, of God was huge. And, and finding a place to house him and coming together and worshiping him was of the utmost importance. And... And this was in a time when they didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. They didn't know they didn't know the Holy Spirit like we know the Holy Spirit. But they still longed to be where God was. Okay? Now, we're going to pause for just a moment in my little journey. Now I'm going to take you into my journey again because I, I want to start to build today's church. Okay? Um, so bringing you back into my life. Um, so I got saved at four, went to church my whole entire life. Um, when I was in high school, we were at a church, and uh, 
we got a new pastor. And this, this pastor, all of a sudden, I would sit in church, and he made God come alive to me. And I was a teenager. And um, I wanted to know the God that he knew. I wanted to understand who he understood. Um, there was just something about the way he presented God. You know, you have to understand, by that time, I'd been from four to about 16. I'd been going to church for 12 years already, every Sunday and every Wednesday. And you didn't, you didn't ponder it. <laughs> Mom just, we got in the car and we went to church. And then when my dad started going to church, you definitely didn't ponder it. Because we all, you know, so. But all of a sudden, this pastor began to show me something about God that I'd not seen before. And this church was, I have very good memories of this church. Um, a lot of family, we, like after church, I can remember going to the park. We played baseball and we all went to the river together, and it was a lot of family, close, fun church. Like, I have fond memories of church. Now, the same pastor, um, so I was in track. Um, I ran a lot of track all through high school, um, fairly successful. And um, because my dad was a policeman through my high school years, <laughs> um, he worked so many different shifts and things that this pastor would come to my track meets. And if you know anything about track, some of my races I ran, I ran the 200, the 400, and the 800, when the, you would have somebody hold your blocks for you. And he would come, and he would be that guy. He'd come to my meets. He held my blocks so I could, you know, like he showed a vested interest in my life. Well, then we go into, I think it was my senior year, this same pastor took a big nosedive spiritually, <laughs> uh, a big one. <laughs> and um, long story short, because I don't want to go into all that, he was no longer a pastor. And he, um, and, and it was, it was, it was, it obviously was a big deal in a church. But the thing that, the reason I bring this up is this. Um, sometimes what happens in today's church is we, I could have used that moment to say, church is stupid and I'm out of here. Like, see, I told you these guys aren't real. See, I told you it's not worth serving God. See, you know, I don't, I don't bring this up because I want to, you know, because that man never was restored, never was restored to God. And his, you know, and his, him and his wife get a divorce. Um, his daughter was one of the worst influences in my personal life. <laughs> It just went bad. But you know what was interesting is it never touched what church meant to me. Because somehow God kept me where I understood people and God are two different things. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Did he make mistakes? Yeah. Did he devastate some lives? Of course. Um, but did that get to take me from church? No, praise the Lord, because somehow God just kept, I don't know how, and I don't know how he picked, I am so grateful, because it could have been the deal breaker for the rest of my life, because as we know, teenagers, it's a big time in your life to really decide whether God's the right gig or not, and so, um, 
So somehow I kept that separate. Somehow I still wanted to go to church. And so um, then I, you know, go to college and may or may not have not done so well. Although even at college when I was being a heathen, I still found a church and I went to church. What in the world? I do not know, but I still went to church. Okay, so now um, in that time, the thing I knew was this. I found God, and then I came together with other people who had found God. And we came together, and we celebrated that. Did we do it perfect? No. Did that pastor do it perfect? No. But he still introduced me to God in a way I'd never known. He still did that. If I had pointed my finger at him, I would have lost what I had found out about God. See, if I had pointed my finger and said, he is who God is, then I would have lost the understanding that God is in the church and the people come and we're being renewed. We're being redeemed. We're a work in progress, no longer how, no matter how long you've been here, okay? So that gives you, I just want to bring that in because of this. So now, in the Bible, we come to the book of Acts. And how many of us know that the book of Acts is known for it's the first church? It's the church, right? So um, one of the things that um, God showed me in this that I thought was super, super cool, and this is where I'll go back to actual verses I gave Ben. <laughs> and we are going to go to Acts chapter 1. And... Um, we're going to talk about in verse 4. Uh, this is before Jesus has left the earth. For He's shown himself. He's risen from the dead. He has shown himself to the disciples. And they're like, and it says here, and being assembled together with them, he commands. So in that, that uh, together there says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Okay, so I want to pause there because I am a word person. If anybody knows me, I love words. Words are so cool. I have favorite words. I have words that just I love the way they sound. I love, I just really like words. <laughs> Maybe because I talk a lot. I don't know. But that was actually my major in college too, speech communications. <laughs> I'm a professional talker. <laughs> so <laughs> I love words. And in this, um, that together right there, Jesus, it says, assembled together with them. Jesus assembled with them. So he was with them at this moment. It is, um, it means that it was, a, 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 it was together by association, resemblance, completeness. So when they were together with Jesus, they were complete. Okay? That was he came together with them, and they were complete. Well, then if we go, and, and in that, um, can you go to verse 5, Ben? Because I'm kind of leaving you hanging here. And so, and for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then we go to verse 6. And in verse 6, it says, therefore, when they had come together, so here's a different word, that come together, which I thought was so interesting, because remember, I like words. And it says, um, it said that they came together themselves. And it means that that meaning that Jesus is, that it's a, 
completeness, but it also adds in a union with each other in common. So it was like a, a dual meaning of together, a completeness in Jesus, but a union with each other. They had come together, okay? That is a key in church, okay? That's a key in church. We come because we're complete in Jesus, and we come because we're in union with each other, okay? And that's a good thing. I just want y'all to know that. <laughs> good, bad, and the ugly, it's really good to be in union with each other. It's like, um, see, I almost got ahead of myself. Hang on. Okay, so <laughs> keep on pace because that is what I had my husband agree with me. I'm like, whoo. So then we go to verse 14 of Acts. And it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer. So they've come together. We're fast forwarding. I'm sorry about that. And the Holy Spirit has come and he has, you know, and it was the, the um, tongues of fire and they started speaking in each other's languages. And, and they were like, we're not drunk as you suppose, but we're filled with the Spirit. And it was the first manifestation of the presence of God inside out. Now the Holy Spirit was inside of them. I can't even imagine what that was like for them. But so now he's inside them. The Holy Spirit's inside them. And it says in Acts 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now we're going to pause there. And it was with the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Do you kind of appreciate moms? I kind of like that. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. She got an extra little. <laughs> and with his brothers. And it says... So in that, that one accord, it means unanimously. Now, what's unanimous mean? Everybody, all yeses. Not most yeses and a no. Not five yeses and four noes. Unanimously is everybody. Everybody, one accord, unanimously. And it says that they came, and I love this part, they were unanimous with passion, fierceness. Like, they were together with an intense. Like, they, this wasn't a kind of like, um, we're just glad to be together and let's have a potluck. No. They were together with a fierce passion of one accord. They understood there was something to that because they understood what Jesus had promised them. Now, um, I want to make sure that I don't leave something out here. So, when they, um, sorry, I'm going to make sure here. So, that in that one accord in prayer and supplication, so it was with a passion and a, and a sacrifice even, it was, um, it, it's even equated to the breath of God. Like, when they came into one accord, it was with an intense passion of what they knew would manifest if they did. Like, they knew that one accord, unanimous, meant the very presence of God. Speaking, because they were looking for leadings. This was a prayer meeting. Um, and so, that was the heart of God for the church. And still is. Um, the fact that that's how God started it means that's how God wants it to stay. 
he didn't he didn't change his mind because we've gone into more modern times. <laughs> he didn't change his mind because people are different. He didn't change his mind. He knew what one accord meant, unanimous. He knew what that meant. Remember with the, when they were building the tower to heaven and he says, we've got to stop them because they're in one accord and if they make it, nothing can stop them, right? Well, that's the same thing that would happen here. A unanimous one accord in the church does anybody know that that's pretty miraculous? Can we just say that? Every single one of us in this room, even right here, unanimous. All the same. Nobody disagreeing. Nobody fussy with each other. One unanimous. The power of that is exponential. So that was always, God just is building a picture to us, even today, of what church is. And then, let's go to Acts 2. I have my phone up here, not because I'm going to text anybody, but because I have um, a couple things that I want to read to you guys out of the Passion Translation also. So in Acts 2, did I tell you the Passion Translation? Yes. Oh, I did good. Okay. My very first time here. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. 43. It says, a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 44, all the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. 45, out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. 46. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. And 47, they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Okay, so the things that I love about this, go back to 44, Ben, is... Um, I got a little bossy there, sorry. <laughs> um, all the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with, what, with one another whatever they had. Okay, so this doesn't mean we have to go sell our belongings. And <laughs> no. But, so I asked God, I said, okay, so what, what is that today? What's that look like today? And this is what it, he really spoke to me was this. He said, so they all came together in fellowship as one body. They shared with one another, whatever they had. Here's the thing that can come into the body of Christ and in the church is um, we keep that separate and this out there becomes more important that what, than what's in here. And this is what happened. What happened here was this. All of the sudden, what was in here was more important to them than what was out there. That no longer was it the focus of my life out there all of a sudden, it became my focus was with the people in here and who needs something. And I have a lot, so why don't I get something for you? 
all of a sudden they realized that there was something bigger than my life out there. They realized that in here was worth getting rid of stuff out there. Okay? Next verse, 45, please. It says, out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who are in need among them. And 46, daily they met together in the temple courts. So daily. Now, um, some of us, here's the things I want to start kind of warning all of us about. We might look at that as kind of extreme, right? Daily going to church? Come on now. That's just crazy. <laughs> Daily together in the temple courts in one, of, in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. Two things here. Um, so they came together and, and, and they came together in the temple courts daily. Sometimes I think what, what is going to help us with this is understanding that they had found they had found um, the presence of God. He wasn't in the Ark of the Covenant anymore. It was like the Holy Spirit had come and filled them, and they realized what was potentially available to them. And they had come together with the excitement of what they found. They had come together because they were the ones that had it. We have the Holy Spirit, and they would come together with that same thing in each other. They knew that we had, we have the presence of God dwelling on the inside of us, and they would come in this joyful heart and tender humility, knowing this, joyful of who's inside of me, understanding it's nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with him. And so they came together in this one accord of Oh my gosh, God's presence is on the inside of us. And, and it, 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 I am sure that it just was almost more than their minds could absorb what was available now. That they realized we can boldly go to God. That we don't have to, we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. We don't have to send the priest in there with the rope around his ankle. Because God will kill you, Remember? <laughs> right <laughs> now we realize he sent his son for me and left his holy spirit to dwell inside of me and he loves me he doesn't hold me to the law anymore because now because of the blood of jesus he can be with me like in the garden of eden he can be with us now so imagine um, if one of us, he can be with, imagine what it looks like when there's a bunch of us together and he shows up. Exponential power, right? Exponential presence. Like, where two or more come together, right? He's there. So they were realizing what had just happened. And I think can, if we're not careful, we forget what happened. Because it's the same thing today. It hasn't changed a lick. It hasn't changed. The only thing that's happened in our worlds, um, maybe there isn't the level of desperation that was for them, right? Um, which is silly because if, if he pulled back his goodness for one millisecond, we'd find out how fast we need him, <laughs> right? Our desperation would come to, 
an exponential level, right? Because just one drawback of his hand, and we would see what life would be like without him, right? So I think we need to start remembering who lives on the inside of us, who we carry, and the presence of God that they use. Do you remember what I, like what David, I mean, it was billions of dollars that David put in the temple, billions. In fact, they're not even sure. Like he said, the brass and iron was without count. You couldn't even keep track of how much he put in there. So that's how incredibly important the presence of God was. And now we are living vessels that carry him on the inside of us. So doesn't that start to make church look different, right? It's like, so then... We're going to tiptoe into the next part. This is the part where you might not want me to come back anymore. Okay, so now we have Paul. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, correct? And he wrote letters to the church, right? And Paul, this is where um, I think too many times we use where I'm just human as an excuse for why I don't serve God, okay? I'm just going to say that. <laughs> we do ridiculous things and say, well, I'm just human. No, you are the vessel of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So we have to check that. I'm sorry, here we go, kids. We have to check that off our list. No more saying, well, I'm just human. No, we're always growing. Do we make mistakes? Of course we do. But our endeavor is to always less and less and less. Closer to God, more like Jesus. Okay, not perfection in our head, what perfection is, maturity. God sees perfection is maturity. It's maturing in God. So when Paul was writing these letters, he wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote to the Ephesians, um, he wrote, and he was always, if you ever have read them, he's always addressing their problems <laughs> in the church. They were having issues. I mean, they were having um, um, idol situations where they were worshiping things they shouldn't be worshiping in the church. And, you know, we might go, oh, can you believe that? But there might be things we worship in the church that maybe doesn't look like an idol, but it might be more important than laying down my feelings in church. Like, if you step on my toes... Maybe I should say, it's okay, I'm sorry, rather than, right? Who became more important right there? I did. So, so love. So then, so this is the part of church that I think um, we can't get caught up in the humanness of each other. We need to get caught up in the Holy Spirit within each other, and knowing each other according to the Spirit. We see each other according to the way God sees us. When I screw up, does God stomp a mud hole in me? When I screw up, does God show it to everybody else? When I make a mistake, does he tell you and you and you and you and you and you? No. He doesn't tell a soul. In fact, his heart is to cover it over and take me on. And that should be our hearts towards each other. So, 
then, <laughs> this is getting so much fun. <laughs> so, okay. Now, um, let me find, there's, I'm on, where is the clock? So, okay. I don't want to have you guys go, Jesus lady, could you please quit talking? <laughs> okay, so, um, I want to find, I have to find this one scripture because, okay, now, we're going to go to Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, and this is going to be our last verse, I believe. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Now, how many of you have ever heard you're going to know these scriptures? So 24 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, how many of you have heard when somebody says, well, I don't want to go to church, that often is the scripture that's quoted to you, right? You're not supposed to forsake. Okay, so going to church. This is the main reason, and this is the title of my message now, is why do we go to church? That's what we're going to find out today. So why do we go to church? Um, let's go back to verse 24, and it says, let us consider one another. That word consider means to observe. Now, remember, Consider one another. So consider one another, right? So when I'm looking at Juan, I'm just going to use you as an example. When I consider him, I observe him fully. I discover who he is, and I perceive his spirit. I observe him fully. I discover him, and I perceive who he is. Did any of these say, decide whether he's serving God right? Decide whether he's done it right? No, I observe him as who he is, like God would observe him. Okay? So that's, you're considering one another. All right? The next, in order to stir up love and good works, if I don't consider Juan accurately, let's say, Juan, are you okay that I'm going to make you look bad for just a second, even though you're not? <laughs> But let's say I'm watching Juan, and he hardly, he's, um, I got to think of something. I got to be careful here because I don't want to give too accurate of examples. All right, Jesus, help me. Okay. All right. Not if you, but in general. Okay. All right. I'm just going to use this one and because if I don't come back, it'll be all right. Um, attendance in church. Let's just go with that one, okay? Because how many of you know that if someone's not coming to church long enough, we decide to make assumptions? right? We just start assuming, assuming things. Now, I'm going to let you go on that side first because that makes us feel better because, well, that's right. We should not be judged on whether we're at church or not, right? So let's say I begin to perceive Juan according to his attendance in church, and then I don't observe him, and I find out there were reasons Juan wasn't at church, but because I didn't observe him accurately, I misjudge him, right? Okay, now we're going to go on the other side. <laughs> okay, so Juan's not going to church, and I'm going to observe him rightly this time. There's something different. Juan, if you weren't coming to church, I would observe there's something wrong because Juan serves God with his heart. And if all of a sudden I observed 
that he wasn't coming to church, then I would not, for one thing, if you're not here, I can't stir you up in love and good works. But also, if I observe him rightly, I can, because this is what happens. If I observe, there's a reason why it's not coming to church, and I need to find out. And if I do it from the right spirit, because, you know, how many people hate it when you've been gone from church and suddenly you finally come back and they're like, where have you been? <laughs> Everybody gets mad about that. But how about you take it this way? At least they've noticed you haven't been there. At least they cared about the fact that you weren't here rather than being mad at them because they said something. Just saying. <laughs> so if I notice Juan hasn't been here, then I can go, you know, not that I would have Rod call Juan. Not, I don't care what that be weird. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'd say, Rod, you need to call Juan because he hasn't been at church. Why now what's going on? And tell him you love him. And tell him that you want to see him here because his supply here is missed. Have you guys ever seen what a, the a church is affected by the absence of someone? How about my little brother? Did my little brother affect our church by his absence? Hello. It's like, and that one, we really can't go get him, right? <laughs> but, Juan, you would affect this church if you left. Affect it. And that's what people don't understand. You think, well, I've got my problems, or I'm mad at so-and-so, or they are not doing it right, so I'm not going. And you cheat the body of Christ of your supply. You cheat them. Because you don't understand that who you are in the body of Christ is unique to you. There's no one else. Nobody filled my brother's spot. Juan stepped up, but it wasn't easy, was it, Juan? <laughs> you had to fill a spot that David had. And so the thing that we have to start understanding is that when you consider one another, you're going to observe fully. You let the Holy Spirit help you observe someone, okay? And then you perceive them. And then it says, um, go to verse 25, Ben, please. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. The assembling, I love this, a complete collection we're a complete collection of people. <laughs> I like that. And then it says, um, not forsaking it. And then that means to leave behind, to abandon, to desert, to leave behind in some place. <laughs> so we may just put it, instead of church being here, it might move. We might move its importance. We might... Um, well, you know, I wanted to, you know, I, I shouldn't, well, it's just the law that you have to be at church all the time. Okay, it's only the law if you're going because of the law. Does that make sense? It's only the law when you allow the enemy to, to convince you it's the law. If you let, I think we've proven what God thinks church is. And if God sees church as we come together, we exhort each other, we observe each other, we perceive each other, we love each other, we love each other to the good works that are in each one of us. Each one of us have individual good works. And how come we can't just come together in church and exhort each other to that place? Now, it says uh, exhort one another is to call near. In other words, um, when we come, and this is how come I love church, okay, 
is when I come to church, um, I love to be with all of you. I love to be in the same room with all of you because I sense each other's spirits. Um, I love to see Juan. I love to see Michael. I love to see these people in our church. I, um, I want to... <laughs> I like to see Lee. <laughs> oh, um, and so there's this place where when, you, when it says to call near, it means that I'm going to call you near to me because I see the value in you. Now, this is put to test, right? I mean, if all of us were just pretty little people who are agreeable at all times and have the same opinions and the same outlooks and the same wardrobe and the same hairstyles and the same shoes and, you know, it would be great. And then this would, there was, it wouldn't be hard, right? But we're not. But we're not on purpose. See, God made us different on purpose. Um, he... Uh, let me see if I can find this one definition. Like I told you, I made so many. Let's see here. Um, I can't find it on that. But one of the things, you know, um, in, the, in the word it, call, it says that iron sharpens iron, that we sharpen each other. So here's also what me coming to church with all of you causes. You guys cause me to grow. You cause me to grow, um, and we cause each other to grow. But we don't just cause each other to grow by exhortation of, oh, you can do it, Rod. Come on. There's that part, but then there's the part of, I'm going to use Miss Kathy because this is totally foreign, <laughs> but, but, oh, you don't want to do it that way? And why did you say that to me? And how come you didn't? And I think we should that is when we're given an opportunity to grow. In fact, I don't know about you, but when I've been in the situation with people that I don't mesh with, it's when I grow the most, if I allow God to show me how. That's when I grow. When I have to lay down my little opinion and I have to decide that maybe I don't have it all figured out or maybe I'm right, but what good is being right gonna do in this situation? So I'm going to cause someone to not move forward in their works because I've decided I'm going to hang on to where they're wrong, and then they don't get to grow because I decided to hold on to it unless they become more mature than me, <laughs> and then they do. But do you see how we either are going to exhort each other and we're going to grow or we're going to jerk each other down because we've decided how we think it's supposed to be? See, that's where God, that wasn't God's plan. <laughs> that wasn't his plan for the body of Christ. See, the reason that he wants us to exhorting one another and um, not forsaking, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Um, when, remember it says uh, the, the assembling is a complete collection. So how many of you know, have you, have you guys ever collected something and you're missing the one thing that would be the complete collection. And then you search and search and search for that one because it's not a complete collection until you found it, right? So when we come together and we assemble, we become a complete collection.
collection. And each piece makes the collection, right? And so when we come together, and here's the other thing, we, we either come to grow and exhort each other, or we come to cause an issue and maybe, no, I'm not going to say that. Jesus wouldn't let me. Okay, so it's, what's your, why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? You come because God loves us, and he longs for us to be together. He wants, do you know, how many of you, when your kids get along and they're fun and they're having fun together, does that not bless your heart? Like when your kids aren't fighting <laughs> and they aren't saying you're stupid and they like and they're having fun together, does that not give your heart joy? Well, how much more does it give God's heart joy when we come together and we enjoy each other, even in our flaws, even in our failures, even in mistakes? Even in, I'm in a job bigger than I am right now, but if you'll help me, I could grow to qualify rather than telling me how much I don't. Do you think that just breaks the heart of God? It makes my heart sad. It's like, why would you do that to someone? I want to see you succeed. I don't want to jerk you down because I don't think you qualify. Seriously? don't qualify. You don't qualify. Jesus qualified us. That's the only reason we do anything good is Jesus, right? And so the last thing I want to tell us is this. So we come together because we love God. He loves us and we love each other. And I want to see you succeed. You want to see me succeed. We have pastors over this body. Do you not wish and hope and they long that we do that? <laughs> How about our pastors getting to pastor us through our silliness? Wouldn't it be kind of fun to give them, like, you know, be those kids that play well together? <laughs> and then the pastors can go praise the Lord rather than, okay. Because how about when your kids are fighting? How do you pick a side? Because you love them right? How do, you, how do you correct that? Because you're like, but I love them both. That is the heart of our pastors. Don't you think for one minute that they love having to figure out what to do with our fussy fusses? Okay, so I think I'm going to get off that one now. So we come together, we exhort each other, we lift each other up, we love each other, we is the opposite of what the world does, right? The world wants to jerk you down so that they win, correct? So we come together. I want to see you succeed. You want to see me succeed. If I sacrifice me so you succeed, all the better. What does that speak to the world around us? If we're fussing just like they fuss, why in the world do they want to come to church, right? And also... If we want to be the church that God has called us to be, this is how we do it. We begin to build each other up. We begin to observe each other accurately to see the gifts and callings so that then we can help you. Let me help you with that. Wow, you're not very good at it, but apparently God's called you to it, so come on. <laughs> Rather than, wow, you're not very good at it, can you believe? And then go to Juan can you believe how Mike does? How embarrassing. I don't do that. But, right? 
So why wouldn't we do, wow, <laughs> you are called to this, and I'm going to help you look like you're called to this, <laughs> you know, right? And so as we do that as a body of Christ, as we come to church as faithfully as we can. Now, if you miss here and there, you know what? That's fine. But this is what I am going to challenge you to do. Ask yourself, why am I not going to go? That's the only thing I'll tell you to do, okay? Because this isn't legalistic, but why wouldn't you want to be at church unless you got, you know, do you go on a vacation? Do you, of course, I'm not, but please understand that sometimes we make missing church too easy. It's really easy to miss. And when it becomes easy for you, check yourself because we're called to assemble. God didn't, didn't we see Garden of Eden? His plan was lots of people in there. Because remember, he said, go forth, multiply, replenish the earth. So I'm thinking there was going to be more in the Garden of Eden than two. Right? So he always had that plan. He always had the plan of all of us together. He always had that plan. The tent of meeting. The temple. The church of Acts. What was the, their initial was they came together in one accord, which was a very powerful, passionate, fierce one accord. I am going to be one, even though it drives me crazy. I'm going to be one with you. I'm going to be one no matter what because I want the power of God manifest in a corporate setting because my presence, his presence, your presence, their presence all together in one accord makes huge. We're like you have Azusa Street and things like that where miracles happen. But if we're fussy and weird and silly, that's hard for miracles to flow there. Right? And so we come together with that heart of excited to go to church. Now, I'm not, I do not know why Jesus put it in me. Ask my husband. I like to go to church. It's like, and when I'm gone, I miss you guys. Like when I come back, because there's a little section in the middle of summer that we are gone a lot. And when I come back, I just want to come early so I can just sit and visit with all of you and see how you're doing. You're like my family. And so we need to, let's start looking at each other that way where we start to observe each other and acknowledge each other because then we start to build the body of Christ that will bring the return of Jesus. Remember, without spot or wrinkle. And I one day told God, I said, why in the world did you set it up like that? How is the church ever going to be <laughs> without spot or wrinkle? But so far in my study, I don't have it all figured out, but one of the big things I've discovered so far is that a church that the, the world hasn't infiltrated. Because the church that the world wants is, and we bring it in. See, we make that decision of what we bring in with us. And what our heart is now is that we come in, we establish the new norm, and we go out there. See, then we go out there and we affect people. And then you're excited to invite somebody to church rather than going, well, you can come to church, but so-and-so's kind of in a fight. And, and, oh, Jesus, I hope that doesn't happen. And Right? Nobody wants to be ashamed to invite the people to church. You always want to be excited and excited. You want to come to Word of Victory. You want to come here, and you want to hear our pastors. They have the most powerful word, and we're going to love you because we love each other. And we're going to build this church that brings the return of Jesus. That, 
that is a, a, this huge atmosphere for miracles and signs and wonders. Because they said that in there, right? The people were in awe of what the apostles were doing while they were in one accord. One accord. Unanimous. So that should be our goal. When you come into a situation, just figure out how to get it unanimous. If that means I have to change my vote, then I change my vote. Because now we're unanimous, right? I mean, unless it was anti-God, which we know that's not going to happen here. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we just have to put our vote down and say, but I want it unanimous. So unanimous means <laughs> that maybe I change my vote just so it's unanimous. One accord and the presence of God shows up and people are changed. Right? Yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. So let's pray because you know what? God loves church. He loves us together. He loves us to come together. He loves us to find our gifts and callings and encourage each other and exhort each other to find and help each other succeed in each other's callings so that we're that church that wins. I remember it said he added to them daily because he could, right? Because he could, because he could add. He's like, oh, I can put people here. I can put people here because they're unanimous, right? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, God, that you want to be with us, God, in all of our amazingness. <laughs> Father, you love us and you see us in our perfection. You see us in how you created us to be. And Father, I thank you that we each purpose to see each other like that. God, that we purpose to come together in the joy of our salvation, to come together with you as the center, that we love God and we love each other, because that's really all you've asked us to do, Father. And I just thank you, God. Father, change us all. Help us to just see different, God, because we want to see miracles and signs and wonders, and we want to be the church that you can add to. And I just thank you for that, Father. I thank you for the pastors you've given us. I thank you that they are the ones that lead us to be that church. And I thank you for it, Father, and I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.